After more than a century and hundreds of failed attempts, it finally happened. Lynching is now designated a federal hate crime. President Biden signed the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act yesterday. From the bullets in the back of Ahmaud Arbery to countless other acts of violence, countless victims known and unknown, the same racial hatred that drove the mob to hang a noose brought that mob carrying torches out of the fields of Charlottesville just a few years ago. Racial hate isn't an old problem. It's a persistent problem. This legislation is viewed as a massive win for people like Illinois Congressman Bobby Rush, who's been trying to pass an anti-lynching bill for years. After the Senate passed the bill, we checked in with Professor Alvin Tillery, director of the Center for the Study of Diversity and Democracy at Northwestern University, about this historic legislation. We also spoke with Emmett Till's cousin, Reverend Wheeler Parker. He's the last living witness to Emmett Till's abduction. And we start things off with the Reverend's reflections on the bill passing both houses of Congress. I have mixed emotions. Of course, I'm glad it's done kind of embarrassed and feel like crying or feel like being angry that it took so long. But I think what this, what it does, it shows us the patience we need to get things done in America. The wheels of justice grind, but they grind so slow, so slow. Mm-hmm. So of course I'm happy that it, that it got done. And, and I just appreciate those people. I think it's 200 times it failed. And they go to show you, you just can't quit. You can't get frustrated and quit. And I'm really, like I said, I have mixed emotions about it. Yeah. But I applaud, I applaud those people who finally went back and introduced it again. Although it had failed, what, 200 times? I believe I'm right. Yeah, nearly 200 times. You mentioned, Reverend, that you, you felt embarrassment. Why? Because it's, what is it saying about a nation's greatest eyes and you can't pass an anti-lynching? That should have been a given without even any thought, you know. And we, we're the leaders of the world, and it's just, to me, it's kind of embarrassing that we just get into it. But I'm okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Professor, I want to bring you into the conversation. What are your thoughts uh, on the passage of this bill and why it took so long? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, I agree with the uh, sentiments of Reverend Wheeler. I mean, I, I, th- I think... Uh, you know, uh, it, it is a stain on the nation, as Senator Durbin said um, earlier uh, in recognition of the passage of the bill, that, you know, this type of action has been introduced since 1900, right? And there were many times when we got close uh, to passing uh, an anti-lynching measure, uh, and it didn't happen because there is an active politics that nurtures white supremacy, uh, in uh, the American party system. Uh, and finally, that was, uh, you know, set aside, and the Senate passed the measure uh, by unanimous consent. Uh, and so the reason it's taken a long time is because there are still people that, um, that nurture the kinds of ideals that lead to lynching, and they're worried that uh, going on the record or supporting these measures will make it hard for them with their constituents. We even saw three members of the House vote against the bill. Mm-hmm. So. And for the person listening, Professor, who's still unsure, talk about why exactly this bill is so important. It's important because lynching has been 
uh, a ubiquitous feature of American life uh, for people of color. Uh, African Americans, Mexican Americans, uh, Asian Americans uh, uh, have all experienced coordinated mass uh, hate crimes, uh, 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 and uh, the 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 fact that you know in many local environments these crimes went unpunished. Um, I mean, think about you know what happened. Uh, in the first trial of the of the of the men who killed uh, uh, Emmett Till, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, so having the ability for federal authorities to really prosecute these laws, um, prosecute these crimes using the, the full weight of federal law, uh, is an important tool. It's a very important tool. Lynchings still happen in our society. Um, you know, there were lynchings in the 1990s. Yusef Hawkins uh, in New York, Reginald Byrd in Texas. Uh, I myself am a lynching survivor from when I integrated my neighborhood in New Jersey in the 1970s. And so wow. uh, these things are still happening. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we need to have uh, the ability for federal government to uh, to prosecute them. And uh, Senate sponsor Cory Booker said, quote, the time is past due to reckon with this dark chapter in our history. Is that what this bill is really about, Professor, just facing this country's history? I think that's partly what it's about. Uh, I, I, I do, um, uh, you know, and I think that that's you know part of the, the mixed emotions that Reverend Wheeler and I have uh, uh, right now. It, it, it shouldn't have taken this long. We, we should have always been squarely facing this history. It's the only way that we'll hold together as a multiracial uh, uh, democracy. Um, you know, when you don't learn from history, you're, you're, you're bound to repeat those mistakes. Uh, look what's happening uh, with Russia and Ukraine, right, and the kinds of narratives that are meant to put in place uh, a new authoritarian colonialism, right? We see those same narratives happening in the United States around January 6th, around voting rights. Lynching is a common thread to all of these narratives of racial authoritarianism. And if we don't face the history, we're, we're in deep danger of repeating it. Reverend, I can hear your deep sighs as the professor is speaking. Anything to add there? Well, what it does, it'll make some people behave better. It doesn't legislate the heart. That spirit is still there, but I drive on the highway at speed limit because I know what's the consequences. When you know that the possible consequences, you behave better. But in my deep down in my heart, I like to speed a little more. You know what I mean? So that's what this law, this law is going to make a lot of people be careful and not quick to do those things. Take us back to 1955, Reverend. How old were you when your your cousin was, was murdered? I was 16. I was 16. You're 16. What uh-huh. years later? What what now are your memories of of Emmett and the pain and, and oh, suffering that this yeah, brought you to your family? You can't. And, and I guess what still bothers me is that. When I spoke, it was 30 years before I was interviewed, and when I spoke, they said I alleged, and it's still like that spirit is out there. He whistled for sure. It's like he got what he deserved. Mm. They, don't, they just talk about what did he must have done something. Yeah, but you're talking about people took the law into their own hands, and it's still painful to hear people say, well, I alleged. You know, I'm eyewitness. I'm there. I'm, and uh, they said I'm alleged. Mm-hmm. And the spirit of uh, justifying 
people who do lynchings or things of that to African-American people, they always uh, kind of have to demonize the person, kind of like Hitler did the Jews. And that hurts. That still bothers me. Is there a reason it took you 30 years to be interviewed, as you mentioned? Yeah, they, I mean, not that I wanted to be interviewed, but they, they interviewed me 30 years after the, after that incident. I see. I was there at the store. I was there when they kidnapped me. They came to me first and scared me half to death. And, uh, and because people told my story, and first impression go a long way. I remember listening to a documentary, and this guy telling the story, what happened at the store. He wasn't there at all. So I talked to some teachers later. The teacher said, that's the story I tell, and that's the one I'm going to keep telling. That's painful. The way he was demonized. I, I read the Look Magazine article, and they just made, a, made, made him look like he's a plum fool, and he's going to dare them. I, I'm not scared of white people, and I bring with white women. All that kind of talk. Mm-hmm. That spirit is still out there demonizing, justifying what they did to him. Illinois Congressman Bobby Rush, uh, the House sponsor of this bill, he, he said he was reminded of Martin Luther King's famous words, the arc of the moral universe is long, mm-hmm. but it bends yes. toward justice. Is that right. how you're feeling right now? Yeah, I live with hope. I live with faith. You got to do that when you face things of this nature. And when you face a country, as the professor said, that spirit and attitude about minorities and certain people, you have to have a good life and a plan in life not to let it destroy you. Professor Tillery, was Emmett Till's death more than just a single act of racial violence committed by some people in Mississippi? Did it represent something far greater Oh, I think we know that. I mean, I I don't think that there's anyone uh, in my line of work who doesn't see uh, the way that, uh, you know, Reverend Parker and, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the, the family of Emmett Till conducted themselves, uh, you know, sort of so that the the, the entire consciousness of the African-American community and the nation was focused on uh, what happened uh, to Emmett Till, and, 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 and it really propelled the movement forward. It really created resolve to uh, change this country, um, and we, we owe uh, an incredible debt of gratitude uh, to the entire family for, for their struggle uh, in incredibly difficult and horrific circumstances. Uh, that, that's, it's absolutely one of the pivotal moments in the American Civil Rights Movement. Do you think that this act is... Um particularly important, given the current heated arguments among parents and, and school boards over so-called critical race theory? It, it, it's absolutely important. And it, it goes back to what, uh, you know, I was saying earlier and what, you know, Re- Reverend uh, Parker was just saying, uh, you know, about how we need to construct lives to shield ourselves from, you know, the the, the, the constant onslaught of, of uh you know, the limitations of being a person of color in a society that's not fully reformed uh, from white supremacy. And so the the fight over critical race theory uh, or just teaching racial history uh, in schools uh, is, um, you know, very much a step in turning the clock back toward a greater uh, sense of racial authoritarianism. 
And, and so, you know, and again, I'm, I, I'm trying to make these real connections to what we're seeing mm-hmm. in the globe with, with Ukraine. I mean, the first thing that Mr. Putin did before he attacked Ukraine was say, Ukraine has never had a history independent from Russia, rewriting the history. Well, the first thing that authoritarians do <laughs> when they're trying to turn the clock back is erase history. And we are living in a time in America where 22 state legislatures have moved to erase our racial history. Uh, and that makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, and so everything that we can do uh, to uh, ensure that the reality of this history, the weight of it, the totality of what it has meant for our nation can stay uh, in, our, in the forefront of our consciousness uh, is a counter to this ongoing uh, attempt to undermine our democracy. And so, yes, it's incredibly important. Uh, incredibly important. Talked with uh, Reverend Parker just a moment ago about the words of Martin Luther King, Professor. Uh, does this legislation leave you with any hope? It does. Uh, I mean, it, it, it leaves me with hope because the greater focus that we can put on it, uh, the more that people who are um, sort of, you know, walking around in their daily lives thinking about, you know, the price of gas or, you know, paying their next, uh, you know, buying their next iPhone, right? Yeah. The more that we can put a spotlight on this history and this legacy and the fact that these crimes are ongoing against, you know, people of color yeah. uh, and other minority groups uh, in our society, um, the more that we can awaken people to really be guardians for our democracy. And so the fact that it was done, the fact that, you know, Rand Paul finally decided to let it pass and didn't block it like he did the last time, um, y- you know, uh, I-, I-, I think that is, um, you know, something that we should take notice of. But we've got to use the moment um, to continue to do this important work. Well, Reverend, before I let you both go, what do you want folks to take away from this moment? Oh, well, I, I, I hope they can see the changes are being made, changes can be made. I always say the wheels of justice grind, but they grind very slow. Uh, like the professor was saying, there is a backsliding spirit in America with the last uh, administration. They set us back and Matter of fact, I was talking to a white friend of mine in Mississippi. He said, I thought that we were farther along than we are. I mean, the people, among the people who seem to embrace that backsliding mm-hmm. kind of was mind-boggling to me. Um, but we got to keep fighting and, and making progress and thank God for those people who don't give up. That's why we got the anti-lynching bill passed. People, and I hope people could take, grab onto that and go forward. That was Reverend Wheeler Parker, the cousin of Emmett Till and last living witness to Till's abduction. You can hear, you you also heard from Professor Alvin Tillery, director of the Center for the Study of Diversity and Democracy at Northwestern University. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.